All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn into the book of Revelation, and we're going to look at chapter 21 and part of chapter 22 today. This is going to be our final message in this series. And it's actually a good place to stop. Okay, so let me kind of remind you what we've been doing the last few weeks. Actually, it's been the prior 10 weeks. We've had 10 10 weeks of these messages. This is our 11th week. And what we were wanting to do is to help you to understand what's coming, especially because we get so freaked out because we hear people saying Jesus is coming or Jesus has already returned. We're living in the tribulation. And, And a lot of times we don't know how to answer that because we don't know what the Bible teaches. So we've gone through the series. We looked about the return of Christ, the things that happened prior to that, his coming. We see the kingdom. We looked at that last week. That is coming, and then the final judgment. There's one more thing we've got to talk about today, and that's eternity. Now, some of you will say to yourself, what we've got to talk about today is heaven. Because isn't that where we go when we die, George, is we go to heaven? Okay, And we'll say that. We're going to heaven, right? Okay, And that's not improper to say that. But I need to tell you, that's not where you're going. So before you pick up a, something in a pew to throw at me, okay, I'm going to explain to you why I'm going to say what I'm going to say. A lot of times we get influenced by our culture. We get influenced by things that have been written through the centuries and so forth. Some of them are secular. Some of them, they, they're kind of the things that are out there. We watch TV. We see that and so forth. I'm going to tell you right now that there is somewhere that you're going, and it is a special place, but it's not heaven. Heaven is where God dwells, but we're going to see that God's going to change his dwelling place. He's going to go somewhere different, and you're going to go there. And so what I want to do today is I want to help you to understand what's going to happen with us, okay? What's going to happen with us? So let me, let me, instead of you listening to me try to explain it to you in my feeble way, let's look at what the Scripture says, okay? We're going to start off with one passage, first of all. So I want you to look with me, first of all, at uh, verses 1 to 8 of chapter 21. So this is right after the judgment, okay? So right after the judgment, remember I told you, those whose names are not found in the book of life will be cast forever into the lake of fire. Then eternity starts. So that's when we go to heaven. No, no, no. Look at what it says. Okay, read along with me. Here's what he writes. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, 
and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion shall be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, here's what I'm going to show you, folks. I want to tell you that you and I are not going to be going to heaven. We're going to be going to the new creation. Do you understand me? The new creation. So, okay, so do you like where we live right now? I think this is a beautiful country. I was really, this really hit home to me. You know, well, when my son Sawyer, who's in the Navy, was down in church training down in Charleston, South Carolina, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. So, we had to go down a few times for his graduations, which meant driving down through my home area, driving through Columbia. And as I'm driving through Columbia, I used to remember as a kid thinking how beautiful South Carolina was with its swamps and its scrub oaks and its pine trees and everything. And I used to think that was a fantastic place to live. Now, I've lived up here for more than 30 years now in the north. And I'll be honest with you, when I was driving down there, I could not have but just one thought in my mind. It's just plain ugly around here. So flat. Look at all that stagnating water just sitting over there. I just thought it was ugly. Because I think where we live is beautiful. You know, we have the seasons, spring's coming, the hills. This is beautiful area that we live in. No, it isn't. Georgia's ugly around here. Go somewhere ugly. You'll know how beautiful it is. Okay? But here's what I want you to know. Even though we love our area, we love the creation that God has made, and we go to different places, and we can go to parks, and we see wonderful things, this is all going to be gone. The old will pass away. It'll all become new. We're going to live not in heaven, folks, but by the way, when you look at this, he creates a new heaven. It doesn't describe heaven here. Chapter 20, 21, 22, don't talk about heaven. They talk about the new creation. So what do we see about the new creation? Well, there's four things I want you to see here, okay? Four things. First of all, the old will cease to exist and everything will become new. The old will cease to exist and everything will become new. Now, it's more than just everything gets wiped out and it's going to be wonderful now and beautiful, but there's a reason why the old has to go away. Because our lives become completely new. So, for instance, let me give you one thing that came to me as to why everything has to become new, the old has to be done away with. You know, when you live in an area, you have memories at certain places, right? 
you have memories. So like when I drive down through Gloria's home area, she lives in her, the farm, the family farm is in home PA, but she's actually nearby or Plumville. And I remember when we first got married, I was working for her dad and I had a, I had a GMC Jimmy and it was raining outside and I had more, more of a lead foot than I needed to. But if you've been through Plumville, they have a 90 degree turn there. Okay. And, and I was coming along, I was going faster than I should have. And I put the brakes on and it kept going and I hit that 90 degree turn wrong and ended up in a ditch. Messed up my Jimmy and so every time I drive through there, now that happened, folks, that happened 28 years ago. I was just driving through there just a couple of weeks ago. And when I'm driving through there, guess what's in my mind? My stupidity. And what I did that day. Places have memories, don't they? Places have memories. And places have memories that are painful. Places have memories that are hurtful. Places have memories of our sins and our screw-ups, don't they? They do. Places have scars from sin and so forth. And so God's going to wipe that all out completely. In fact, it's interesting, when you look at the passage there, there will be no more sea. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I love going to the ocean. But there will be no more oceans. Now, why would he do that? Well, in the Old Testament, the oceans are seen as a place of chaos. And so the message that's being communicated and what is coming and what is new, there's no more pain there. There's no more chaos. Think about that. Think about life without chaos. Can you imagine that? where there's no problems, the old will cease to exist. Everything will become new. Here's the second thing I want you to see. God himself will dwell with his people. Now, this is mentioned several times in this passage. We're going to look at this in a little bit more, a little bit later, exactly what that means. But think about this, God himself. Now, that's our biggest struggle, isn't it? Our biggest struggle is, is that we pray to someone we don't see. We maybe sense his presence in our lives through the person of the Holy Spirit. We see him do things in our lives, but we don't have that personal interaction with him. Yes, we talk with him through prayer. We, we, he talks to us through his word. But there's this absence, right? There's this absence of somebody physical, somebody that I can talk to. But look at what it says here. I think this is amazing. Here's what it says. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So in this new creation, he's going to be with us. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Not is he just going to be with us. Here's what he's going to do. The Lord will wipe away our tears as all pain will cease. He'll wipe away our tears. All our pains will be gone. They'll be gone. 
You say, well, they disappear in time, don't they, George? No, they don't. They don't at all. Because in an instant, they'll come flooding back. You know, when we were going down to South Carolina, one of the times, my dad is buried in a national cemetery in Florence, South Carolina. And I don't get to go to Florence very often, but because we were going to be going down to Charleston, we took a detour, and I was going to go to his grave. And so we found his grave. I know exactly where it is. Walked up there, and Lori gave me a few minutes alone, and and um, that's, all, that's all I needed. But I'm telling you something. When I was there at the grave, immediately pain came into my life. Grief, hurt, all kinds of things that buried because I grieved my daddy. Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? And you know that. And so then we got back in the car, and of course I had to deal with those feelings for a few moments until I saw Sawyer down in... South Carolina, and could put that out of my mind again. Because that's all we're doing is putting the grief out of our mind, right? But I'm telling you, there's going to come a time when the tears that we have, he himself will wipe away. Isn't that awesome? God himself will bring comfort to us. God himself will remove our pain from us. Now, you say, that's a big thing you're talking about there, George. Yeah, in fact, he's going to reiterate it, especially when we get to chapter 22. You, you and I don't realize how much healing we need for our lives. Do you understand? But when we go to be with him, it's a place of healing. It's a place of comfort of the pain being removed away. So when we go to be with him in the new creation, he's there with us. He brings us comfort. There's one other thing I want you to see here, okay? Evil and sin has been dealt with and will not exist anymore. Look at what it says here. I think it's interesting because he's describing all of this about God being there, God dwelling with us, God wiping away our tears. There'll be no more pain, no more death. By the way, isn't that awesome? No more death. I don't know about you, but I hate death. The pain. But he's saying no more death. But here's what he says. But then you think about what causes the pain in our lives, what, what brings about the sin, the evil that exists in our world. Here's what he, he makes this point. I think it's really awesome is what he wants to point out here. Look with me what he says in verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for murderers, for sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. It'll be gone. All evil will be gone. No more wars. No more people doing wrong. No more evil that's being committed. That's the new creation. That's what's awesome. That's what's coming. We're going to be with him. But he goes on a little bit further. So look with me at the next section I want you to look at. It's verses Chapter 21, verses 22 to 25. We're going to talk about the presence of God with us, okay? I want you to look with me what it says here. Look with me at verse 22. <clears throat> I can get my page to turn here. Okay, here we go. Verse 22. 
And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, for there will be no night there. All right, so what we're going to talk about here is the presence of God, okay? Two things that are awesome, all right? So I want you to think about it. First of all, there'll be no need for a place of worship. So, by the way, when we go to heaven, excuse me, when we go to the new creation, see, I'm even saying it, right? Because we're, we're conditioned that way. When we're in the new creation, can I tell you, there's no temple. Remember, the temple was where they would go to worship God, okay? I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no church buildings. There's, there's no need for that because, like, think about, why are you here this morning? We came here this morning to interact with each other and to what? Worship God, to meet with God, right? That's why we're here. Hopefully that's why you're here, okay? In the new creation, in eternity, when we're there, Paul, John, writing here, is pointing out that there is no temple in the new creation. Why? Because God himself will be with us. You don't need to go to him. He's already with you. He's interacting with you. Isn't that awesome? That's just what blows my mind. Because, like, can I be honest with you? Right now, everything communicates distance. What do you mean distance, George? Coming to church is, quote, where we go to meet with who? God, Right? So there's, there's this sense in which there's distance. Now, we know he's with us, but we, we can't wrap our brain around that, so we understand coming to a church. Going to a temple, if we're going to the temple as a Jew, yeah, we understand we're going to meet with God because that's where he is because we're out here all by ourselves. There's no need for that in the new creation. There's no need for places of worship because God himself will be in with us. He'll be interacting with you all the time. That just blows my mind. There's no distance there. No distance. The other thing I want you to see here. Again, this is something that we can't even imagine, okay? Because like me, I'm looking at my watch here because I'm looking at, okay, how much time do I have left? We live in time, right? We live in time. Well, time will cease and there'll never be night again. So in, in the new creation, I won't need a watch. There's not going to be clocks. Because time doesn't exist. Now, when did he create time? In the beginning, remember? He created, he set the stars, he set the sun, the moon. He created what? Night separated from day. And that was what? The evening and the morning were what? One day. Time ceases. He's making it clear in this passage. There will be no more night 
and there won't be a need for a sun. Why? Because God's presence will be the illuminating factor. In fact, he uses an illustration that we don't even understand. He uses the illustration about a gate. Now, in the ancient times when you lived in walled cities, the gates would be open during the day so people could come in and trade and come in and out. But in the evening, they closed the gates. Why? To make sure marauders didn't come in. They wouldn't be attacked. He's saying they're never going to close the gates there because it's never going to be night. Isn't it the night that we fear? You know what I'm saying? Don't you get fearful of the night sometimes? I do. You know, it's like the other day. I was, it was actually yesterday morning. I thought Hudson was gone. I'm in the house. Had my breakfast sitting in my easy chair. And I hear cluck. And I'm like, oh, what is that? I mean, I'm like jumping out of my skin. It's Hudson moving around upstairs. I didn't even know he was there. Do you know what I'm saying? We get all jumpy. I'm not the only one that does that, right? Let me tell you about the other day. I was here at the church. I'm walking through the hallways, and I hear, wah, wah. I'm like, what is that? I kind of freaked out. I'm like, wah, wah. And I'm like, what is going on? What am I hearing? Get closer to my office. Wah, wah. What is going on? And so I walk in the nursery. It's a baby doll on. Why? Because we get jumpy with that stuff. I'm telling you why. But in the future, when we have the presence of God with us, there's no more fears. No more jumpiness, no more night, nothing. No more time. That's what's awesome. In fact, what is there will blow your mind. And that's what I want to focus on in chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. I want you to read with me. Here's what he says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river a tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the land will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. Okay, can I read that again? They, who is they? The servants will see who? Whose face? God's face. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And the night will be no more. And they will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Here's what I want to focus on in this last two things I want to show you from this passage. So we're talking about, we're not going to heaven, we're going to be in the new creation. We're talking about the wonderfulness of that new creation. Old things have passed away, it's new. We're going to be, God's going to dwell with us. We're going to have every tear wiped away, no more pain, there's no more evil. The reality is that God in his presence with us, the awesomeness of that is that time will, not, will cease to exist. And the reality is 
that there will be no need for worship because God's with us. So again, he's going to reiterate something that I think is very wonderful, and that is the intimate care of God for you and I. And when I read this, here's the thought I had, okay? I'm like you, you're like me. And depending on our personality, it comes out in different ways, but we all, can I be honest with you, we all struggle. We struggle with an aloneness, with loneliness. We struggle with, does anybody care? We struggle with, does anybody know how I'm feeling? And then we carry that struggle over into our relationship with God. God, do you know how I feel? Do you even care what's going on? Do you know what's happening to me? Lord, do you even love me? Those are real feelings we have, right? And it depends on what's going on during a week or not during a week. It depends on what's happening around us, the chaos of our lives that we live in this world. We have those feelings. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When we go to be with him, we're going to be in a new creation And there are a couple of things that stand out so powerfully about his intimate care. Here's the first one, okay? This is going to shock you. Our needs and our healing will be taken care of. Yeah, Lord George, you already told me that. He's going to wipe away my tears and there'll be no more pain. He'll bring healing. No, no, I think it's interesting. There... It's telling us there will be a tree where the fruit of it and the leaves of the tree will, are provided for the healing of nation. Why do, the, why do we need healing for eternity? Because we do. We do. We need healing for our scars. What scars, George? Oh, It doesn't take long to think about what the scars are, right? The longer you live, the more you realize what the scars are, right? And then the the amazing thing is, is that here, the problem is, there is no healing for our scars here. We try to find the healing, right? Some people go off and try to do different things to try to find the healing. They never find the healing here. There is no healing here. The healing is coming. And part of his intimate care for us is that he provides healing for us to the deepest things of our soul. Isn't that awesome? Listen, folks, I hear people all the time, oh, I, don't, I think it's going to be boring in heaven. What are you talking about? You don't even know what you're talking about. First of all, you're not going to heaven. You're going to the new creation. And when you're in the new creation... He's going to be there with you. And one of the things he does, it's reiterated in chapter 21. We just read it. He wipes away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more death. Here we are. He talks about for the healing of the nations again. What is he talking about? It's going to be a place where we are ultimately healed. Where the deepest things of our life, the pains, the, the, the trauma, and some of us have endured trauma. We'll be healed. We'll be made whole. That's what God wants to do with us. Make us whole. Here's the other thing that is is interesting. 
we will enjoy a face-to-face intimacy with God. We know from the scripture that no one can see God right now. We know that, right? You know why, right? Our sin. But a time is coming, my folks, my, when, I'm, when we are with him, when we're with him in the new creation and we have been made new, we have a whole new body, we're not sinning anymore, we will have such an intimacy with him where we meet with him face to face. Now, when you read this and we talk about we will see the face of God, I think that should hearken you back to the book of Exodus, back to the other books of the Pentateuch, the first five books, where, where God communicates to Aaron and Miriam that there's no other servant like my servant Moses because I meet with him, what? Face to face. I talk to other prophets through dreams, but with Moses, I meet with him face to face. I'm telling you folks, when we go to be with him, you don't have to wonder if God's talking to you because you're going to see him. That's intimacy. He's going to talk to you face to face. Isn't that awesome? And that's what's coming. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Okay, here's what we do with it. Two things. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap up the entire series right here in just a few moments. So number one, here's what I would say to you. Quit getting freaked out. Quit getting freaked out, wondering what in the world's going on, what's going to happen. You belong to the living God, and your destiny is assured. Do you understand me? Now, that doesn't mean because your destiny is assured that removes you from all problems. We'd love that, wouldn't we? I know I would. But that's not. That's not the life in this world right now. Do you understand? We live in a world with pain, with hurt, with scars. We live in a world full of terrible things. But we're promised something else. And that's where our hope is. Our hope is being with him in the new creation. So number one, quit getting freaked out, okay? Here's number two. As you and I look at what's coming and we understand, we understand what the world has to go through, the coming of this Antichrist and and his false prophet, the tribulational period, and what is poured out of God's wrath in that time. We understand his coming and his defeat of the nations of the world. We understand him establishing a kingdom to fulfill his promises to Israel. And and we're going to be with him in that. But then we understand that once the judgments are over, we're in eternity with him forever. Here's what I want you to understand. Live with hope. That the stuff you're going through today is only for today. You have a better future ahead of you. You have a hope where the pain that you carry will one day be healed by God himself. Live with hope. Don't get freaked out, number one. 
live with hope. Let me pray for you.